Hello, Danger Josh. Hello, non-danger Ellie. (laughs) You weren't supposed to say that. (laughs) We never made a formal, we never made a gentleman slash gentlewoman agreement. We didn't, except that I said don't say that. I don't know if I would have ever agreed to that, though. Okay, but I am dangerous. You are, in your own way. Mm Mm-hmm. It's true. Uh, we wanted to talk for a second about this episode and get it set up. We did. We are. We, we are doing that right that now. That is going to happen in your, presently. In your earwaves. The episode goes, it's the be- it begins <laughs> in mid-paragraph because we were having a conversation about Star Trek episodes because EJ has been going back and re-watching old episodes and was taken aback because the show was considered to be progressive at the time but when you compare it to today's standards it's actually a little bit frightening how misogynistic it it can be yeah and we start off with my contention that that has always been the case except for times where we slide back like you know the dark ages and you mean pre-star trek i mean it's just always been like that yeah so that evolution happens and you look back and go oh man we were dumb right yeah okay so this is just a note to say yes the interview begins in the middle of a paragraph if you can hear paragraphs you will hear it in this in the beginning of this episode you will hear that the paragraph has begun previous to recording (laughs) Um, we also, just to set up about the interview itself or the, the conversation itself is we didn't, it's about how to know when it's time to quit your job because you're not happy, but we wanted to make sure that it's not a super negative conversation, completely focused on being unhappy in the process of quitting and how to do that. We wanted to frame up a conversation around the things that you can do to potentially improve your situation first and then go into some of the watchouts or signals that it's not working and it might be time to move on. So the first most of the conversation is about what you might do to not quit and then it goes then we get into what you might do once that stuff doesn't work. Right. Like it it should be a progression and not just a split decision. Yep. And we're hoping that listeners will be able to get um, some good information about where they, you know, be able to start to process where they stand in their current position and and maybe have some ideas about things they can do to make it better uh, or figure out what they should be doing to move out. This is also going to be a longer episode. Um, I don't think it's ever a slog or anything like where you're like oh guys stop talking god but it is i think to date our longest episode how long is it i i don't know with this intro (laughs) it'll be a little difficult okay well we can stop talking because it's a good um, conversation and we didn't want to cut a lot of it out and we did end up talking for a while and we normally try to keep episodes to 30 to 40 minutes but i think this one is a little little bit over there's a little more to get into yeah and then like like all of our discussions, this isn't the end. We continue, we're planning on continuing this topic, just like yeah. a lot of other ones. I feel like we could talk about this particular topic for hours and hours. Yeah, I feel like that about every topic we bring up. So okay. it's um, this is these are just the beginnings of the discussion. You can continue that with us on Facebook 
We're, we've got a group on LinkedIn now. Um, give us a review on whatever platform you're listening to, iTunes, whatever. Um, we've got five reviews as of this recording already, mm-hmm. and um, it's great. We've got some like written reviews and then just some ratings. Keep it up. Um, it's really it's, helping. It is really helping. Get the word out, and um, thanks for your participation. Yep. Let's go to the episode. All right. Three, two, one. Go. Whatever. It's like original Star Trek. They were progressive, but they were progressive on like a 1960s scale. Yeah, that's like true. In 1770 or in 1785 or whenever, um, it was progressive to like free your slaves after you died. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm a really forward thinking individual. Yeah. Yeah, you guys can go free now. <clears throat> yep. Once you're done working for me, then and people were like, "You're what? How are your children supposed to live? Like, you know that kind of thing." They'll have to buy their own slaves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then. But that was progressive death. for the time. Yeah, free your slaves and death. It always intrigued. Like, I think about what that we think of as progressive now. Are people gonna go? Yeah, I suppose that was progressive for the time. For the time, like, yeah. You know. <laughs> Yeah, like uh, like transgender rights. Like, right, I'm yeah. sure that was progressive for the time. But yeah, exactly. I, re- I just read an article on Medium about, uh, it's like a satire, and it's, uh, what is it? It's the trouble with being a heterosexual white male or something like that. And it's this guy basically saying that uh, I'm becoming, I'm on my way to becoming an average human. You know, like with no entitlement or privilege or whatever, I'm just going to be like everybody else. And then who will be able to impart somewhat accurate, but mostly irrelevant knowledge like the like Joseph Campbell was really the inspiration for Star Wars. And, you know, like, okay, I can't I don't I can't tell if a lot of these articles talking about who the inspiration for Star Wars was. Are being sarcastic. This or one like was. If they're, but I mean, some of them. It seems like they feel like this. This is the actual inspiration for it. And I've been following Star Wars a long time, and George Lucas has had at least eleven different things that Star Wars came from. Yeah. And so I mean, it's like okay, cool. There's another one to throw in the pile. This one is satire because he says that Joseph Campbell lived thousands of years ago in ancient <laughs> Greece. Oh, okay. Just Are we recording? Yeah. I feel like you guys just started recording a different podcast. Uh, we could have a Star Wars podcast. That's a different podcast. I'm not on that podcast. I do want to have a podcast called Well Mannered Barbarian. Editorier. Editorier. <laughs> That, uh, I lost the end of that word. <laughs> Well-mannered barbarian. Yeah. Yep. That you'd be welcome on. I, I um, That sounds exciting to me. I'm not All a right. You're not Send you a memo. All right. That's, is that you're not a barbarian. You're not a barbarian or you're not well-mannered? I mean, which one do you not identify yep. as? Yes. Both. <laughs> Probably both. Should we get started? Yes. Okay. Hi, EJ. Hi, Ellie. Uh, hi, Josh. Hi, Ellie. <laughs> hi, Josh. Hi, EJ. <laughs> EJ, have you been keeping up on our episodes? Uh, I have not listened to the most recent one, the sh- the tiny podcast, the short podcast. Tiny? Mm-hmm. Tiny podcast. Tiny episode. I did not listen to the tiny episode. That's okay. Otherwise, I believe I'm current. What's your favorite one besides your own? Well, oh man. The favorite one besides my own, I would say is, I liked AJ's. 
mm-hmm. uh, is really good. Um, I did like the mindfulness uh, podcast as well. Cool. I would like to let you know that your episode, episode six, while it wasn't the most shared or uh, didn't drive the most traffic to our website, was the most listened to. Oh. Came in first place for 2015. Thank you. Congratulations. I'm honored. And was also the most, uh, drove the most feedback. Very cool. Meaning that people gave us the most input about how it had inspired them to mm-hmm. make change at their workplace. That's fantastic. It is. Pretty cool. Very cool. So we'll see how it holds up in 2016. Uh-oh. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a whole year of competition as opposed to like two months. Am I the first two months. of 2016? No. No. Well, the You're the first one recorded in 2016. Ah, first. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But the first episode of 2016 comes out on January 3rd, which will be in the past by the time people are listening to this, and is with Mike Mason. Tomorrow. Inception. Is your mind blown? It's, it's, it's blown. Okay. Time-space continuum disrupted. Yeah. Check. We've been building up to this episode over the last several weeks because we've come across a number of people who don't feel happy or engaged in their work right now, and they want to do something about it. And my take is usually, my first uh, pass at that is usually not to say, let me help you find another job, but mm-hmm. what have you tried in order to be more happy? So this episode, while primarily is about how do you know when to quit, I wanted to first explore what uh, what have you done about it? Before and you quit. Before you decide you know when to quit. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. Here's some numbers. 82% of the time, people get promoted to a management position based on tenure and not talent. You're nodding in agreement. The top two reasons for promotion are tenure and success in a non-managerial role. <laughs> so I'm good at my job. I got promoted to be the manager of other people that, to do my job, which we both know from personal experience is not the, necessarily the right person to be the manager of people. Totally agree. In I, I like to say um, many managers were not selected for the position because they were uniquely qualified to do that work. Right. <laughs> That's right. Um, studies have also found that an overwhelming majority of the time that people hate and leave their jobs are because of having a bad boss. Mm-hmm. So People quit bosses, not jobs. That's right. So the hypothesis is that if you're unhappy with your job, you might really just be unhappy with your boss, and that boss was probably someone who was set up to fail. 82% of the time, that boss was not the right person to be your boss. Yeah, they weren't, they weren't empowered or... Trained. Trained or... Or they just had a different... right. <clears throat> they just had a different... Um, like view on things sometimes like not necessarily I've had bosses where I didn't not like them I just Mm -hmm. didn't they didn't we didn't mesh personality wise oh sure Mm -hmm. most of the time it's a respect issue Mm. people don't respect their boss Mm -hmm. Um, so let's explore a little bit before we get into how do you know actually like okay I'm done here this is when I should quit. Mm-hmm. Um, let's explore um, what people might want to do. Because when I read these numbers, the first thing I think about is, well, 
are employees waiting for someone to make their job interesting or make their job fulfilling? Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, what kinds of things can they work on? Yeah. Where can you start? I think that, well, I think your point about waiting is huge. I think that the broader population is in a waiting mentality. Uh Uh-huh. Whether things are not terrible or just okay or even really great, there are a few people that take a step back and say, even though things are really great or because things are not so great, I should make a move or I should at least explore my opportunities. I'm a big advocate for always looking for your next gig. Mm-hmm. Always. Um, one of the things that I like to do with um, people that I work with on my teams is in our first one-on-one or the first couple of one-on-ones um, say, I'd love to offer you the opportunity to review and update your resume on an ongoing basis. And I want to say that right now so that if I bring it up in six months, you don't go, wow, why? Why are you asking me to update my resume? Right. But I want you to feel empowered to look look out in the world or even internally at the organization and see what else is going on and perhaps your next move. Um, The best time to look for your next move is when everything's okay. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's not when... you're not making weird unhealthy decisions. Absolutely. And you're not in a state of fear or panic or anger. Mm-hmm. You're in a state of clarity around what something would need to be in order to entice you to leave. You That's know? a really good point. Cool. So, but yeah, waiting is a, is a big deal. And I think uh, the first hurdle to get over is to, why are you waiting? You know, why are you waiting for it to be good? Yeah. Are Waiting for somebody to make it better? Are you waiting for some event to happen? Oh, when I pay off this debt or Mm. when I get in a relationship or when I solve this really difficult problem at work or when my parents move or when the kids move out or when, then, then, then (laughs) I'll be able to take action in my life. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you do your homework? I did do my homework. Did, what did you think about it? Uh, I, you know, it's funny. I watched that TED Talk mm-hmm. uh, previously. Oh. And uh, I really liked it. Um, I really liked the idea of candor and honest feedback uh, in there. So, and the differentiation between that. At this, so, like, in the podcast, there's the, 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 the two-by-two, the four quadrants. Yep. And I think my, my favorite two, or my favorite one was the, was it the gym? On the upper so upper the, left, upper left is ruinous empathy. Ruinous empathy. I am. I am early in my career as a manager. I think I was horrible at that. Everybody felt empowered, and there were several people who weren't doing really good work. Sure, you know. Because you were too. Nice. You were too nice. It was too nice. I feel like that's where I am at in most situations. Ruinous empathy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like. Oh, you know, I'm going to have to pull that to the right a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's why our dog still lives indoors. Yeah. Ruinous empathy. Ruinous empathy. Yeah. Uh, I will post, I will post a, a, the image of this quadrant and the link to the TED Talk for our podcast listeners, but on the, the spectrums are, what is it, the x-axis? Yeah, so you're two by two. It's uh, care personally. Your x and y in the top right. Care personally and challenge directly. Mm-hmm. And so the quadrant becomes in the upper right radical candor. 
uh, in the lower right, obnoxious aggression. Mm -hmm. And she says, those are the two best things you can do. And she's saying, I'm not advocating for obnoxious aggression. I'm just saying if you fail to do radical candor, obnoxious aggression is the next best thing. My, My best manager to date was, or not to date, my, my best manager previous to my time at my current company was obnoxious aggression. Okay. And I valued it greatly because I hadn't had... Because at least you... At least yeah, they it was were like fine. a shock to yes. your system. Like, like, holy shit, he's telling me real stuff. I must mm-hmm. take action. Yeah. Right. Uh, the lower left is manipulative insincerity. Mm-hmm. I'll try that one again. Manipulative insincerity. And the upper left, ruinous empathy. Ruinous empathy. It seems like there's really only one good place to be. Top right. Top right. But I guess you could be varying shades within that. I'm in the top right of most charts, so I'll get there eventually. (laughs) I'm going to make a chart that you're in the top right of that... It's not so good. (laughs) Uh, So... What was my question? This is another one of these really long questions. I'm okay, I'm super Hopefully excited. Hopefully you typed it correctly. This I'm really time. excited. But the last one was so great. <laughs> oh, hold on. Here's what's interesting to me about... This is uh, Kim Scott that has made this, um, this quadrant. She's an HR leader at Google. She might be the HR leader at Google. Is she, like, is she oh. at Apple now? or? I don't know. She was at the time of the recording of Radical Candor. At the in the TED Talk, she was saying she's at Google. Yeah. Right. I think mm-hmm. so. Yeah. But her boss was Sheryl Sandberg. Mm-hmm. Who's at neither Google nor Apple, yeah. <laughs> as we know. Uh, so anyway, she's speaking to bosses, which is great, and you should speak to bosses. But I think there's a way to take this quadrant and take the concept of Radical Candor, and let not bosses use it because if 82% of the time a manager shouldn't be a manager and they got placed in that role because they were just good at the job that you're doing would it not make sense to apply radical candor uh, giving them the benefit of the doubt and helping them become a better manager for you I think I think that it's a great question and I believe it's pretty circumstantial based on the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, there are organizations that can take a longer amount of time to find the right fit for sure. a position in an external search, from an external search standpoint. Right. Um, and there are organizations that they need somebody to fill a chair, um, and I think in, in a very short period of time, and I think an organization that's on like a startup path or a growth curve or maybe just doesn't have the time to interview, um, would certainly benefit from that approach mm-hmm. of, you know, hey, you've had some great success here in the organization. You've indicated a desire to, you know, grow in this direction, so let's give it a shot, but we're going to be brutally honest. Mm-hmm. You know, and I also think that it should scale to the employee base in general. You know, yeah. I'm an advocate for that kind of communication style, employee to employee. And that's something that she states in the TED Talk as well is, you know, a, a good manager will ask somebody if they've had the conversation with a person they're having a cl- conflict with mm-hmm. first before um, intervening. And then right. even the intervention will include both of the parties or all of the parties, you know, if needed. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that that would work. You know, I, you, you think about organizations where there's, you know, two to five founders and, 
you got 10 people in the first year and maybe 20 people in the second year, mm -hmm. people are going to have to start filling roles in the organization as it grows, and they won't necessarily have the time or the expertise or the money to go find an external candidate. Right. But they could be more honest about how people are performing in their role and if they're being effective. So that's uh, that makes me think of I am the person who promoted someone into a managerial role. I'm going to be brutally honest with them because I'm their supervisor or something. But what if, what about from the perspective of um, their that person's employees? How can mm -hmm. and and even I guess we're excluding a lot of people because we we should be talking about just bosses in general. I think everybody needs a certain degree of being managed, whether it's from your supervisor or your direct reports. Mm -hmm. So how, what kinds of things have you seen be really effective for people who just need to manage up regardless of whether their boss was good or not? It's mm -hmm. a large question. I think that, well, um, the, the beginning of your point around how can employees provide feedback? Uh, I've seen that done in like the 360 survey, 360 degree survey, mm -hmm. which you know, depending on how you do that is either sort of an exercise in uh, boosting your ego as a manager or it's just not very effective in general because typically people aren't 100% honest on those. To their boss? To their boss, um, well, especially if there's yeah. a poor relationship between, you know, the employee and the, and the boss. Sure. You don't want to, like, knock them on their performance and then have your annual review. Um, Sure. So what I what I've seen uh, more uh, has, that has been more effective is managers that offer that, but start with things they've seen that they can improve. You know, so um, I'm going to go to my my team and say, I'm having I think I'm having difficulties in the following areas, and I want to make sure that uh, that's an accurate perception. Or do you feel like there's other areas of opportunity I have um, mm -hmm. to grow or be better or whatever? Um, and then what are the things that you need from me that you're not getting? You know, what are the mm -hmm. areas in your career that you don't feel movement in? Or what are the, the what are the, your, your struggles on a day-to-day, week-by-week basis that you don't feel I'm addressing as a, as a person whose job is to support you? But and you'd have to be a pretty good boss in the first place to even ask that question. You, you would, unless you have a framework in your organization that supports that. Oh, sure. You know, so if that's uh, something that your, your organization has as sort of a scaffolding around, this is what you do when you're a manager. Mm -hmm. um, you do one-on-ones in this sort of format. Mm -hmm. You do, you know, quarterly and annual check-ins and reviews in this format. This is how you do your 360 feedback. These are the kind of conversations you have with your employees. Um, and then you tell the employees the same thing. Mm -hmm. This is what you should expect from your manager. You, you can't push all that down. Right. You have mm -hmm. to surface it from the ground up as well. I've always liked the skip level stuff like she was mm -hmm. talking about in the video as well. I, People either love or hate those. I, I've liked it a lot. And um, I guess like at Best Buy they did that pretty well. I've always hated that. Why do you Why? like it? I don't, I'm, it's the... The ability for me to give feedback, positive or negative, to a person who is not my boss that can affect change in my boss. Mm -hmm. Like that gives you... Why is that better than telling your boss? Some things you can't tell them. Why? Like, like what EJ was saying. It's like, I'm going to give you this honest, open feedback, and then you're going to give me a review. Yep. 
And if, if, if you're assuming... It depends. Yeah, if you assume that bosses are progressive, that managers are progressive, then it's probably a yes and, where mm-hmm. you have that James skip Kirk level. progressive? <laughs> <laughs> not going to talk about Star Trek, the original series, being progressive or not. In its day. Because that's another topic. Yeah. yeah. No, the, uh, you know, if, if you have a, a progressive manager or somebody who's on board with that kind of methodology, then your skip level is a yes and. Yeah. It's a... I'm telling my, my boss's boss this. I've already had that conversation with my mm-hmm. boss as well. Um, and I do or don't feel that he's affecting change. Or she. Or she. Um, but if you but have if you're someone having who's. An unhealthy relationship yeah. with your boss, you may need the support the of their. Manipulative and sincerity. Yeah. Or the obnoxious aggression. <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't necessarily have the ability to share that stuff with your boss. But the first question at that skip level would then be have you talked with your boss about this and it would and it would be i am afraid to do so (laughs) i think that might be a totally different kind of realm but you should you should in an organization that empowers its employee base and its managers to have open and honest dialogue you know kind of no holds barred Mm -hmm. then that kind of feedback should be expected right or even anticipated um it's one of the things that i i try and push on when i'm in you know, one-on-ones or reviews or whatever with team members, and that's, is there is there really nothing you need, or is there just nothing top of mind, or, like, what are the things that are happening in your day-to-day life mm-hmm. at work that you are frustrated about? Even if you don't think that I can um, change those, uh, you know, are at they... At least tell me what they are. At least tell me what they are, and then I'll tell you if I can, if I can help or not. Right. Um, that way it won't be this mounting pile of... Uh, you know, while I'm frustrated with, you know, the time the rest of the team comes in and I don't like this one tool we use and... Or somebody from a different department. Somebody from a different department or I don't think that... I don't like the snacks that are put out on this day or it sucks that X, Y, or Z. I mean, you you have to build that stuff up. Stop You know? So if you were just kind of teetering on the edge where you're like, I'm going to lose it, I'm going to quit, I'm not in in a company that has a framework the framework you speak of where mm-hmm. that kind of dialogue and empowerment is encouraged you're just in a place where you're sort of getting to the end of the line mm-hmm. what have you got to lose like uh, what how would you approach your boss at this point yeah. like it, i mean like personal or professional integrity or if you're in a if you're in a community of people where you know, word travels fast or, yeah. you know, a lot of the key players know each other across different organizations. Yeah, I mean, you want to make sure you handle yourself with, like, candor and dignity. Sure. You know, but, uh, you know, I guess my question would be, if you're approaching the end of the line, the first conversation would be with yourself. Yeah. And what was the stop mm-hmm. before this? Mm-hmm. You know, like, where along this train route did things start feeling like they're going off the rails? Mm-hmm. Um and, and why didn't I take action then? Uh, and what would that action have been? Mm-hmm. And how, how could I learn from that and figure out how that impacts my current situation? Have mm-hmm. you been in that spot? Several times, yeah. And did you ask yourself those questions? Uh, I think I did, yeah. In absolutely. hindsight, what, what are your answers? Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so at one particular point, I was at, well, I was at Best Buy. And I had, I think I had a really good ride. You know, I, I worked in the field and then I managed a number of stores in the field and then I moved to corporate and managed stores nationwide. And 
And I had a, a boss who was the, what was it, the aggressive... Uh, obnoxious rank. aggression. Obnoxious aggression. And it was, I was having a very difficult time taking what he would say about day-to-day performance in the workplace and translating that to a line-level employee who really was just concerned about getting their paycheck so they could go support their family mm-hmm. uh, and having a decent day while they were doing it uh, or per- prepping for their next career move or ensuring they have enough time to go to school and work and their other job. Mm-hmm. Um, so balancing a lot of things that the boss didn't even yeah, know so or care about. He might rage about... You know, it seems dusty on top of some of the shelves in the storage area when I go into the store and this is a premium experience. And, and uh, you know, I would have to translate that, like, elevated voice, almost yelling uh, kind of rage to, hey, guys, remember, we have this punch list that we want to do here. These are the things that we uh, want to make sure we're providing from an experience standpoint for both employees and you know, mm-hmm. customers. And, and it was just gr- grating on me to be a buffer in between, Mm -hmm. you know, my team members and my management. And at that point, um, at the point where I was like so frustrated and was dreading going into work every day, uh, I, I did take the time and say, well, is, is it, is it my boss or is it the work that I'm doing? Or is it like, what is it that's really fueling my frustration with my job right now? Mm-hmm. And it really was. It was my boss's communication style, and the the tasks I had to execute based on his direction mm-hmm. that I didn't necessarily believe in. Okay. Um, and I let him know exactly that. I said I need. You know, I scheduled some time with him, and said, "Hey, man, I'm having a really difficult time working with you right now, and I don't feel I don't believe in the direction that you give me." Um, when ex- executing some of these tasks at the stores that we're responsible for. So I just want to let you know that I'm going to start looking around, both inside mm-hmm. and outside the company. And, you know, he was frustrated and upset a little bit, but was very thankful that I had had that conversation with him and actually found an opportunity internally for me mm-hmm. that I'm mm-hmm. then I, I moved laterally into that position. Interesting. Um, and ended up still working with that team, but was not in a position where I had to execute on um, those kind of uh, on tasks that I didn't believe in. Sure. But I could. You don't believe in dusting. Uh, well, listen, I believe in dusting. <laughs> I don't believe that the store is going to die if there's a little you don't bit of think dust on you the shelf. Yell about dusting. I don't think you should yell. I think you should have a little bit more decorum, uh, you know, and perhaps remember the environment that these people are in. Like, sure. these people are not going to prioritize dusting over dealing with the police because they just found child pornography on some customer's computer and have to report it by law and, and company policy and are dealing with somebody who's frustrated that they've lost all their family photos and there's nothing we can do about mm-hmm. it. I mean, they have more things to worry about. And those are difficult, very tricky situations to provide great customer service in. And we'll get to the dusting once we're done there. Mm-hmm. Do you have to provide good customer service to child pornographers? You have to provide the right process. You have to provide due process. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, there's a process. Yeah. Hmm. I am glad I've never had to ask myself what the process is. Uh, it's, it's bad. Um, the, uh, but the cool thing is, is the position I got to move into was the training and process 
management position upstream from where my job was execution formerly. So I could help train people on the front end and create process and develop uh, operational procedures that could help facilitate a better experience for the people that were executing on a day-to-day basis and better training for the people that were executing on a day-to-day basis, hopefully then alleviating uh, some of the challenges that whoever would have stepped into my position would have in executing sure. that operational model. So your work became exponentially more meaningful because you didn't get to just solve it for your one. Right. What you were doing, but for everybody. Absolutely. That's awesome. So I, I feel like um, it was, and it, I'll be honest, it was scary and it was difficult yeah. and all those things to sit down in that conversation. Because that conversation, especially with an aggressive individual, could have ended with, you're well, fired. great, you're fired. Pack your mm-hmm. stuff and get out of here. Or, well, two weeks, you're done. Or, you know, like. Mm-hmm. You can't quit, you're fired. Yeah, exactly. No, it could have absolutely gone right. that direction. So, one of the things that I, I say when I talk with people that are in a position of upset or frustration with their job is I'll tell you my perspective, but I want to let you know that at that time, I did not have a family. I did not have a house payment. I did not have a car payment. I did not, I had debt, but it was debt that was solely on my shoulders. Yep. Wasn't, I didn't owe anything to anybody. Uh, so if things went really poorly and I lost my job and had no funds, uh, I wasn't impacting the livelihood and the quality of life of my family. Sure. If you, if you have a baby on the way or you have three kids in school or you have a house payment and, I mean, like... You think about that conversation much different. You have a higher tolerance for frustration in your, mm-hmm. in your work uh, and you should absolutely take action appropriate to the, your, your personal, financial, and uh, family and social circumstance. Well, you might not have a higher tolerance, but you might have a farther out threshold. Farther out threshold, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, <laughs> you know. might uh, turn into a jerk at work, but not do anything about it right. in those circumstances. So my, my viewpoint is have the conversation and have them Just early get it and off often. Your chest. Yeah. And get it off your chest. And, and the only thing I would have changed about that experience in my life is I would have had the conversation earlier. Sure. I would have mm-hmm. had the conversation when I was feeling a little bit disgruntled and said, man, hey boss, I'm... I'm not liking this, and I don't know exactly what it is. I need your help figuring this out. Because that then, if you have a good boss, uh, that'll enlist them in helping you problem solve Mm -hmm. rather than you self-selecting yourself out of the organization or them selecting you to leave. Yeah. Sure. Okay, so what if that doesn't work? Because really this episode is called How Do You Know When to Quit? So Mm -hmm. what what are the final straws? Uh, final straws are, in my opinion, there's a there's a difference between this job sucks and because it's just a grind, like uh, working at a convenience store. Maybe it, it, some people love it. Some people, I just got to go to get a get a paycheck or yep. you know, delivering pizza or whatever. I mean, there's jobs that just aren't super awesome fun time, uh, and I think that's a different circumstance. But in a job that um, you at least at one point in time enjoyed. And now you hate the straws, I think, are a combative relationship with one or more people in the organization, especially your leadership, Uh, a um, disagreement with company objectives or values, Mm -hmm. Uh, for example, rate of growth or um, companies that you partner with Mm -hmm. uh, or uh, revenue streams. Mm -hmm. Like, are you getting revenue uh, by selling stuff you don't believe in or... Are you receiving revenue from parties or businesses that you don't agree sure. with, you know, whether it's morally or politically or whatever the case may be? 
Um, a lack of quality in the work that you do mm -hmm. is another big one. If you're not able to commit to delivering high quality work, uh, there's something wrong. You're not invested, you know? Right. And, and that could be, that's a tough one because that could be disillusionment with the job. That could also be a problem personally, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, like you're tapped out because of something going on in your personal life or your, yeah. you know, with your family or whatever. Sure. Um, that or, or you have a desire to move the organization in a direction that the organization doesn't want to go. So and stuff that's not going to change. Unless you address it. I mean, some of those things could absolutely change, mm -hmm. you know, if you address them. Mm -hmm. um, in or some organizations, that would be more difficult. Mm -hmm. For example, if, uh, you know, you work in retail and you hate consumerism, well, it's probably not going to change. You might be able to find alternative retailers that you could work for that are more socially responsible or ecologically responsible or, you know, whatever. But if you work for big retail, you might need to shift your job if you're not in alignment with consumerism. Right. That was that was actually one of the reasons why I just had to leave Best Buy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, lack of I alignment. Like um, I think the biggest thing, though, is a combative or, or caustic work environment. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think that was that was why I left my last if you're angry position. at the end of every day, you need to leave. Yeah. I don't fight at work anymore. It's been almost three years now, and there's mm -hmm. no fighting. There's uh, points of view. and Debate. There's, there's strong points of view, but mm -hmm. there isn't fighting. And when I talk to people that I used to work with, there's, there's just still a lot of fighting, and I can't understand it anymore. And I'm like, oh, man, it just it brings me into this... Um, uh, mental place that I do not like to be or think about. Yeah. It's weird. I, I would also say on that point around fighting, and this is a personal opinion, this is not necessarily true for everybody or every industry, but in my opinion, any workplace where there is shouting yeah, is... And not because you're a long ways away. Not happy shouting. Or, oh my like God, get out of the way, that thing shouting. is going to fall on you. Or but, like on Wall Street. Yeah, you, I can't, no one can hear me unless I shout. Mm -hmm. uh, if there's abusive <laughs> shouting or any type of um, aggressive workplace behavior that is confrontational in an unhealthy way, leave. Leave. Never heard of it. Yeah, quit. And, and, and in my opinion, that's not a go talk to your boss and say, I have a problem with how abusive this work environment is. That's a quit. I experienced that, though, and you helped me through it temporarily. Temporarily. Uh, it was a, it was not a, it was a go home immediately. Like I walked out the door. Yeah. Experiencing um, that type of aggression and abuse. Um, and I just grabbed my bag and walked out the door. But I came back the next day and you helped me through it and there was a lot of like coaching and talking through it and I felt like we got to a little bit better of a place but it wasn't enough to like... You know what's funny about that though is that... There wasn't anything funny about it. Well, true. <laughs> uh, what I find humorous in retrospect... Sure, okay. ...is that I was in a spot where I had a... I didn't agree with company direction right. and I wanted to move the organization in a different way and that was, that should have been an indicator for me. It was miraculous that you were able to coach me through that incident to even buy a few more months out of me. Right. Because that's really all it was, was yeah. two, maybe three months. Yeah, typically a caustic uh, work environment will not change unless a majority of the 
uh, workforce turns over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, or at least people who are um, core contributors to that environment. Yeah. Or there's a top-down, like, mm-hmm. this won't stand. Yeah. What I thought was interesting was a lot of the stuff that you brought up, like the, you know, checking for culture, the checking for, like, who who does this business do business with, and those sorts of things are actually what I did, what I looked into while I was looking for the job I have now. Mm-hmm. Like, I was actively screening for those things. Yeah. Like, um, I almost went into being a BA, a business analyst, and but the only places I could find that were interested in, in interviewing me were all oil industry, and I just oh. couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, you know. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's <laughs> um, choice. Man, I really wanted do this job but <laughs> well that's a can't reconcile yeah. yeah that's an interesting point like when you when you bring up screening for new jobs or you know looking for new jobs i think the best like i said earlier the best time to do that is when you're either neutral or you know pretty happy with your your with your current workplace mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know so i mean like ellie if you're really happy with where you are right now you should be absolutely figuring out why you're happy and what other places in the world would would even have to offer to entice you, you know, or or where you would want to explore if you were interested in relocating geographically or taking your career in a different direction or given you know, that it's uh, January in Minnesota, it's all geography based. It's all geography based. <laughs> and that doesn't mean that you're going to quit your existing job. No. But what it means is that you're getting a, a good handle on what amazing opportunities are out there. Whenever you hear stories of people who have started phenomenal things in the world, um, it was never, oh, everything was really great and I did nothing and then this happened. You know, it's Mm -hmm. everything was really great and I left it all behind to go do this. Or things were really difficult and I I took the initiative to change and go do this. Mm -hmm. Um, But it always starts with action. It never comes from inaction it very rarely I should say comes from inaction or or uh, complacence it's mm-hmm. always something of I wanted to affect change in my life because I was unhappy with the status quo or I wanted to affect change in my life because things weren't improving and I wanted to make a difference or sure. you know. right. well it's interesting I, um, I I get a lot of not a lot but I get occasional um, messages from recruiters uh, I know a lot of people at our work do, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of people say, oh yeah, I just delete those, I just ignore those, I'm happy. And I uh, actually always read them, mm-hmm. and um, I can think back to a time when I would have been eagerly waiting for a recruiter to contact <laughs> me, to rescue me from yeah. a place, uh, and that I would probably read that message differently and respond, where now, when I get them, I'm like, oh not interested, you know, just disregard or, you know, I don't, I don't think about it that hard. One thing I should add to that list of reasons to quit is everything's fine. Like that's, that's not necessarily quit your job, but everything's fine. Yeah. But everything's fine. That's Mm -hmm. a great reason to look for another opportunity. Not because you're necessarily going to take it, but because you need that expansion of your horizons Mm -hmm. to grow as an individual. Mm -hmm. Um, and it may, that, the, the searching and the looking may just reinforce why you want to stay where you are. Mm-hmm. Sure. But it's a healthy exercise to do on an ongoing basis. Yep. 
Do you want to uh, pick a question from the random questions jar? I would love to pick a question. Where's the jar? <laughs> it's under there. I have to excavate the jar. Feel free to remove the pen. Okay. So it doesn't inhibit You're going to need the pen. So it doesn't inhibit my searching. It would be great if I pick my own question from last time. I don't think you can. I don't think it's possible. <laughs> What's the stupidest bespoke product? <laughs> okay. Is everybody, yeah. is everybody familiar with what a bespoke product is? I'll put a link. Okay. Bespoke. Uh, hey. Most commonly referred to as a bespoke suit. Uh -huh. It's possible that this question was inserted shoes. into the jar on a day when somebody was talking about a bespoke, what is it, the box, the monthly box. Bespoke post? Bespoke post. Ah, okay. What's the stupidest bespoke product? Oh, man, that's a tough one because I really dig bespoke everything. I do too. <laughs> uh, the stupidest bespoke product. A hand, a hand sawed mustache comb. Oh wow, that's, that's pretty, pretty stupid. That's pretty stupid. I mean, but if you were like a mustache aficionado, I could really see. I know, right? Like, yeah. It's difficult to. I'm gonna immerse myself in the other person's point of view. Our um, podcast was followed. Uh, our Facebook page was followed by a page called Hipsters in Work Boots, and it's amazing. Hipsters in Don't work cut boots. that part. The stupidest bespoke product doesn't exist. I believe conclusively that you can have a tailored anything. The only place that I would challenge it would be uh, people who make uh, single-use items. Um, like there's a, um, I think Lifehacker used to have single-tasker uh, posts where it's like a tool that only does one thing. Hmm. You know, like a container that only holds a banana. Um, I think is pretty stupid. So if I think that's stupid, but yeah. I don't know if it's a bespoke thing. I've always if wanted had, one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so, it's like you know, or a spoon you that you could only use for granola for some reason, or like okay. you know, like or, a grapefruit spoon. Yeah, a grapefruit spoon is a terrible idea. That's, but it's not really tailored. You can. Um, so so I, I got it. It's a it's a blacksmith who makes bespoke utensils that are single purpose only. Those would be pretty stupid. Okay. You'd have an arsenal in your kitchen of monotasker uh, utensils. Mm -hmm. This is my, my melon spoon. This is my mm -hmm. butter only knife. I can knife no other things with this knife. <laughs> uh, a pan that... Did you say melon knife? It's like, Melon spoon. It's yeah. like having carved acacia wood spreader utensils or something. Yeah. That's so tough. <laughs> yeah. So I would, I would say that. They can spread anything. They can we spread brie. We used it to frost the cookies. Frosting. Okay. See, they spread anything. And what Josh doesn't know is that I sometimes use it to scratch my back. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's awesome. basically anything in the house. <laughs> it's a multitasker. Yeah. It's not a monotasker. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I get it. But I want to say the banana storage capability is necessary. If I'm riding a bicycle... It's not. Banana doesn't live long enough in my life to warrant storage. So I, I used to try to take a banana to work every day when I worked at Best Buy. And it got smashed. And it would get hella smashed up every single time. Because I didn't have one. Did I answer all your questions? Stop. Hit stop. Stop.
Thanks again for listening, humans. As always, you can find us on Twitter at ProHumans, on our Facebook page, ProHumans Podcast, on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash ProHumans, Stitcher at ProHumans, or go the easy route and log on to ProHumans.com where you can find all that stuff and more. This is Danger wishing you a professional week.